I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living room. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman, because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Hey, look at this handsome motherfucker. Uh, what's up, brother? What's going on, gangster? How you doing? Uh, living the life. <laughs> I like thinking to myself as I was showering tonight, going like, why in God's name at 52 did I decide to start this business? What wow. the hell was I thinking? So, um, just be glad that you didn't wait until 50 to have your first kid like this idiot over here. <laughs> That's amazing, man. God yeah, bless I, I, you. God bless I, me. Exactly. God bless me. Yeah, somebody got to bless you. I, I, somebody, I, trip yeah. out of, I, I trip out on that shit every time I tell somebody the story. I was like, this motherfucker want more. Like, <laughs> One more. Don't say more like that. One more is good enough. A Yo. girl. And if it ain't a girl, that's it. I ain't trying no more. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, yeah, while we're doing all of this, uh, uh, the, the cave chatter, why don't we actually say uh, welcome back to another episode of Single Dad, Why You Mad? Um, my name is David, and I am single dad to uh, my one and only, if you were listening, uh, son who I had at 50. His name is Miles, uh, Miles David Crockett. Um, his, mother, his mother named him Miles. And I wanted him to have my name also. So I put David in the middle. So he's got the double entendre. She named him after Miles Davis. And then uh, my name, nice. Dave, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Miles Davis and David Crockett, he's got the double entendre. If he don't do something with that, God bless him too, right? Right? If he don't make something happen with that, God bless him too. I'm Clark. I'm a single dad to uh, three girls age 18. 13 and 11 and I had my first kid at 25 so I've been pretty much daddying my entire adult life and it's starting to show and you know I guess we should introduce what a single dad is and for our purposes a single dad is not just someone who has a kid and is living apart from the, their other co-parent their fellow co-parent and throwing money at the situation you are actively involved in stewarding and developing your child into a functional human being. You spend time with your kid, you talk to your kid. You know, it's what we call businessing with your kid. I also wanna be clear about the fact that we are not, nor do we claim to be, child rearing, dating, relationship, co-parenting, financial, or baby mama experts. We are two dudes who are figuring it out as we're going along and sharing our experiences with you. You know, we're flying the plane and changing oil at the same time. <clears throat> And um, speaking about uh, single dad, why you're mad, why you're mad, what, what is in a name, right? Um, and uh, 
we've talked a little bit, you know, in some of our past episodes about uh, the name single dad, why you mad and um, you can get from it what you want, right? Uh, why you mad is ambiguous for a reason. We all get the single dad, right? But why you mad, who is the you? So for me, the you is, and I've told this story before, when I'm standing out on the corner um, with my kid in the wrap, not the structured carrier, but the wrap, um, and I got a bottle in his, I got his bottle in my mouth. He's eating crackers or apples. I got a pamper in one pocket. I got some wipes in another pocket. And somebody walks by me and asks me, uh, are you waiting for his mom? Where's his mom? And I say, no, I'm not waiting for his mom. It's just me and him. We out here by ourselves. We doing it. That sometimes makes me mad, but I'm looking at the other person like, why are you mad? This is not the place where we come to bash our co-parents, right? Um, this is not the place where we come and, and, you know, Chris, you've said it before. There have been times and there will be times again when me and my co-parent just aren't gelling. I can tell you it's going on right now over here, right? <laughs> but this is not the place where we come to bash our co-parents. We come to share our experiences and learn from each other and hopefully, you know, uh, learn from the people who are listening or, you know, be an example to some of the people who are listening. So you mentioned the Moby Rap, and I almost posted the picture today of me wearing it for Throwback Thursday. But what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold off on posting that picture until this episode airs. And then we're going to throw that up on the, on the Single Dad Why You Mad Instagram page. Listen, I got a whole gang of me wearing them also. So Yo, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll call it Moby Rap Monday. Let's okay. go. Let's All go. right. So um, one of the things we like to do first before we get started, because we have a guest today, and uh, this is uh, an interesting topic for us, right? But um, this past week, life events, right? You've heard me talk about this before, right? This is what I'm going through right now, right? So me and my co-parent are in court. So we went through custody court already, and now we're in support court, right? Um, and the way it works out is if you have a 50-50 split between the two parents, then the parent who makes the least amount of money is considered to be the custodial parent, meaning they can receive money from the other. So that's where we are right now. In addition, to paying for daycare and uh, buying clothes and buying food and paying for after-school care and uh, health care insurance and all that other sort of stuff directly myself, I am now responsible for giving her $600 a month. If I didn't have them half the time, it would have been $1,200 a month. Jeez. Right? Jesus. Right. <laughs> so I'm not mad at that, right? <laughs> right. I'm, gonna, I'm about to get to it, right? Strap in, because daddy's going to take you on a ride. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. Here's what I'm mad at, or here's what annoys me. So we go through it, right? And they decide what it is. And I already knew what it was going to be, because I've done the math on it, right? And I consulted a lawyer. I already knew what it was going to be. So I leave. We come back a month later. And a month later, 
Now I'm carrying back all of the stuff that I pay up front, right? Because he did a, a, a temporary order until we get to the final order, because that's just the way the law is written. You do a temporary order. So because we don't want the person who needs the support to be without the support until this thing actually gets wrapped up. And that's absolutely fair. I understand that, right? But now I come back with all the stuff that says, okay, so now this is all of the stuff that I'm paying up front. Shouldn't this be deducted from, or shouldn't her share according to us? He said, yeah, but you'll get credit for that later. When so credit for that? Uh, once we get to the end of this thing, which oh. could be six months from now. Right. So for six months, I'm required to overpay Jeez. and then possibly get a credit. So if you look at it the way it is now, not only am I kicking out $600 a month for her, I'm kicking out another eight or $900 a month for daycare or, or, or whatever it is. I'm kicking out another $400 a month for healthcare. I'm out of pocket $2,000 a month just for my kid to get out of the fucking bed. <laughs> just for him to wake up every morning and get out of the bed. I'm pushing $2,000 a month. Ain't got nothing to do with food. Ain't got nothing to do with clothes. This motherfucker is growing like Jolly Green Giant. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, I've never been one for sales, but when Columbus Day was rolling around here, I carried my ass down to Baby Gap so goddamn fast it ain't funny. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at least he's still a Baby Gap, man. Listen, and I, I bought 10 pair of pants that were all at least one year beyond where he is right now. And, so, and hope he doesn't grow two and years. And hope he doesn't grow that. two years in one year. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. So, yeah, that was my week, though. How was your week, though? Yeah, my week was good. My week was good. Um... You know, I've, I've had a little bit of downtime because I'm switching roles with the company. So, you know, I had to hand in computers and all that stuff and, you know, had a little bit of downtime to just be at home, chefing it up and trying to fix stuff around here, which there's always something to be fixed. You know, my dad broke that down to me years ago when I bought my house and he was like, I've been in this place for 30 some odd years. There's always something that needs to be fixed. Just take your time, fix one thing at a time. I probably need to be doing more than that, but, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, yo, just chilling with my shorties and playing chauffeur. That's what it's been for the, for, for the past week, but it's been good. Good for you. That sounds nice. So um, we have a guest today, and uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation, I am sure. Uh, this is a uh, guest at Clark. Um, has brought here um, and has been talking about for some time now. And um, this is part of our uh, series on mental health, right? So there's a bunch of different subjects that we want to touch on. You know, uh, we talked on dating single dads. We talked on about the courts. We talked about... Um, what are some of the other things we talked about? Money, how much money you spend for these kids. Yeah, I'm feeling that shit right now. Uh, <laughs> we talked about... Um, discipline. Discipline, yeah. You know, there's definitely uh, stuff that we want to talk about with respect to mental health. So why don't you introduce yourself and you tell everybody about yourself as much as you want, and then we'll take it from there with respect to... Uh, uh, we'll feed off of that. Go ahead. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. All right, so uh, name is Mike Gancy, and uh, I am, I, it's funny that, you know, this is called Single Dad, Why You Mad? I've always uh, referred to myself actually as a solo parent, um, because getting back to the topic of mental health, 
um, 13 and a half years ago, uh, my wife, um, who suffered from bipolar disorder, took her life and made me a solo parent to a three and six year old, two, three and six year old boys. Now, when you say when you say a solo parent, you mean as of that day, you felt you became a solo parent. Oh, yes. I um, was the only parent. There was no there's no. Hey, you know, we're going to moms, you know, uh, uh-huh. or hey, you know, uh, I get this weekend off because, you know, the kids go with their mom. There isn't any of that. OK. Um, you know, and you guys were together at that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were married. Yeah, OK. Yeah, yeah, right. Married up to that point. Uh, wonderful marriage, actually. Uh, it's just uh, unfortunate for, you know, the, uh, the mental health issue and drove her to do what she did. What, what is, if, I, if you don't mind me asking, what is bipolar disorder? What is that? So bipolar disorder is, used to be called manic depressive. Uh-huh. Um, so it is a, um, it's a behavioral um, disorder that uh, will take you either into a mania so into a very uh, high state, I guess you would call it. Um, and then uh, what I would always see is then I'd call it like the eye of the storm would happen. So say the manic part came first uh, and then there would be a little calm before the storm and then the depression would set in. So and the mania is the high point you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's you know, they think they can, uh, um, you know, for she was like she swore to you know to me every day that she was going to be on Oprah and she was going to write a book and she was, uh, God Lord, uh, there were many of things that she was going to do. Although um, sometimes because this woman was so driven, I sometimes would believe uh-huh. <laughs> that she would do these things. But yeah. Um, and then so you saying that, that always came first, and then there would be a little lull in the middle, and yep. then it would automatically go to the depression every time every time like clockwork yeah so what happened was in the beginning the first time i saw it so she had we met um i was 24 she was 21. okay all right so uh, absolutely good point and i'm sorry clark um so i I, i'm just so in 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 uh i don't even know what the word is to say to hear you uh mike but we're supposed to ask right uh our founding question clark go ahead i'm sorry i stepped on the the founding question was how the fuck did you get here like how (laughs) with with the best of intentions with the desire to couple with somebody and start a family how did you end up in, in the sole parent position? And we dove into it a little bit, but I think we can backtrack and, and, and start from jump. How did you guys meet? How did you get together? How did yeah. you decide to build a family? So we actually, it was really interesting. We met on a blind date. Um, met on a blind date a week before I was traveling cross country with a buddy of mine with the intent of possibly moving. Uh, I was kind of at a, a crossroads in my life. Um, I had worked, I had dropped out of uh, college after my first year to go work with my dad who started a construction company. Um, and that was great. And then the company was doing, doing great. And then I had to have back surgery and it kind of took me out of the game. And I was kind of like, okay, I'm 24 years old. All my buddies have graduated from college. I'm just like, what am I going to do with my life? And so you know, I was kind of at that crossroad and we met on a blind date. I didn't even want to meet her. I'm like, why do you want me to meet somebody when I'm going away and possibly never coming back? Um, but we met and uh, 
she made it worthwhile for me to come back. Um, and uh, from that point forward, we were together until, you know, until the day she died. But when I met her, she had told me that she was bipolar. Now, I was 24 years old. You know, when you're 24, you don't understand any of that shit. Um, Isn't it amazing how we look back on our lives and we say to ourselves, I thought I was a smart motherfucker then. And then <laughs> I said, I was dumb as fuck. Yeah. That, that's a constant oh, conversation I have with mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was a late bloomer, man. I, everything I did happened later. Like I said, 52 years old and I'm starting a business, you know. So, um, but yeah, you know, so I, I didn't think anything of it because I didn't see any signs and there were no signs. And fast forward, uh, we decided to have children after we got married. Um, and her doctors, her doctor at the time decides you should not be on any medication, which we found out after the case was the wrong thing to do. So after being stable for years on medication, took her off. And you add in the fact that she had difficult pregnancy. When you, uh, say, when, when you say difficult, you mean she had to be on bed rest? Uh, no, she didn't have to be on bed rest, but she, it was, uh, I mean, there was a couple occasions we thought we lost the baby. Mm -hmm. um, and there was what they called uterine retardation. Mm -hmm. um, and so the uterus was a little too small and, and the uh, umbilical cord was a little small. So it was making it difficult for the baby. Mm -hmm. And so what they were doing is they started um, having her, uh, she would go weekly for stress tests or non-stress tests. Yeah. And um, she would get steroid shots because it felt that the baby was gonna be born prematurely, which he was. Now, if anybody has ever taken steroids before, you gotta know you ramp up and you ramp down. Well, they ramped up and never got a chance to ramp down because the baby came. So you take a person who's already has a mental illness, no medication, being issued steroids and then of course having a child always creates the hormones to go crazy right um so our baby ends up coming six and a half weeks early uh thankfully very healthy uh, but had to stay in the NICU and at the time I'm you know she had a she had to have a c-section so I'm going back and forth between taking care of my dog at home going to work coming to the hospital and the hospital allowed us to have a hospitality suite. So I'm like, all right, this is great. You know, I'll neighbor can take care of the dog. I'll just stay here, go to work from here. And one night we're just hanging out while try, I'm trying to wind down and she's walking back and forth talking nonstop. And I'm just like, damn, Mike, can you just give me a break? I need, I need a break. And you haven't stopped talking. I said, is this what it was like when you were manic and her whole demeanor her whole look changed and she just said I'm a, I was afraid that this was happening and it just started and it was um, eye-opening to say the least so so that. when when you said this, is this what it's like when it's when you're manic she realized I guess that she was about to go into a depressed state or something like that no, into a mania. mania. Oh, into she, was, her she was just starting a mania because the, the yeah. pacing back and forth and the, and the ramp up of energy. And this is the first time you've ever seen this. Yeah. Oh, how, yeah. Long were, yeah. how long were you guys together at that point? Oh, shit. Uh, let's see. Um, eight years. Eight plus wow. years. And, and, yeah, you, and, and you had just had your first child? 
yep, we had a first child. Uh, so this first child being premature, you know, everything is already, you know, you're, you're a little, you know, out there. And was um, she, I'm sorry to keep interrupting. And was she no, the one, and was she the one that said, I was afraid this is what was happening? Did yeah. she say that? So yeah. she didn't realize or she thought maybe she was going through it, but she didn't really realize she was going through it until you pointed it out to her that this is what I see. And then she realized that she was going through it at that time. And, Absolutely. And, and there's probably just nothing she could do about it. No, there isn't. There really isn't. And, and the unfortunate thing is, and I'll eventually get to this, is I'm seeing that again with my, my son, that son that was born at that time, my oldest son. He has now been diagnosed bipolar. Um, God bless you. God, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think he blessed me though. <laughs> you would, you will. So you will, uh, and, 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 you know, I don't want to belittle what you're going through, but you will be surprised how, anyway, let me not preach yeah. right now. Keep, no, like, no, keep going. Okay. So go ahead. You were, you were in the middle. So, of, she was afraid this is was, not yeah. what she was going through, but, and then go ahead. So we just, it, it just started this whole, um, episode of just this mania, which also gets these people, you know, that will get anybody to, you know, um, they're, they're very revved up. The, the, it's almost like, you know, when you're talking to somebody who doesn't ever take a breath when they're mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, of course she, you know, uh, again, she thought she was going to be able to do this, that, the other thing, uh, she had just had a C step action she wasn't supposed to do stuff she's going out and doing it she was up in the middle of the night two in the morning cutting hedges um you know just crazy shit and then you know then started the anger at me and you know here i am so now this is all happening when her doctor actually starts to now get her background of medication but that takes a while for it to kick in right and so and until you can get it to a therapeutic level mm-hmm so in the meantime, I'm taking care of the baby because she needs her sleep and, you know, and going to work and I'm working on very little sleep, trying to take care of this baby. She's standing over me telling me I'm the devil, I'm this, I'm that. Um, you know, it was a very trying time for our marriage too, on top of it. So, you know, it, it, it was very, very difficult. Uh, to watch, but then everything started to calm down. And I thought, you know, again, not knowing, never seeing any of this before i'm like oh good she's finally good she didn't seem fully herself but she certainly wasn't this manic person and she was taking medication at that time yep she was taking the medication then came the depression and i will tell you right now as much as i complained about the mania at the time i would take that mania over the depression any day of the week so so let me ask you does it all happen in one day in one time in one 24-hour period or is the mania going on for two or three days and then there's a lull and then there's a depression for two or three days what is, what is it no it's actually this went on the mania probably went on for about two or three months mm-hmm. um two or and, three months oh yeah 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 this is uh it's not something that happens like it, it, you can get people who cycle very quickly and she ended up doing that near the end mm-hmm. um, uh, but yeah in her case it was you know two or three months of that then there was kind of a lull and then the depression set in and, uh, you know, couldn't get her out of bed, couldn't make her happy, couldn't make her smile. There was nothing, to, you know, that, that you could do. And, um, one day, uh, I was 
out. Uh, I forget what I was doing. No, actually, I think I was working, actually. It was on a Saturday. I was working at a bank. I was working on a Saturday. And <clears throat> came home, and uh, my, my truck was gone. I had taken her car. My truck was gone, and I was like, and the baby wasn't there, and she wasn't there, and, you know, and uh, um, no, step, I had taken the baby out. I came back. She was gone. No note or anything. We didn't have cell phones back then. So I can't find out where she is. So um, talking to one of her friends uh, and she comes in and I see the truck pulling in the driveway and I'm like, okay, uh, she's here. I'll talk to her. Well, she comes in and she's looking real funny and she's talking to me and I'm looking at her neck and her neck looks like she's got dirt on it. And I said, well, what's wrong with your neck? And I pulled back her shirt and there's bruises. And she apparently admits to me that she had taken an extension cord and had tied it around her neck and had gone out into the garage and tried to hang herself. But thankfully, because it was an extension cord, it broke. And uh, so, yep, so had to. So, uh, when, so when she's saying this to you, is she saying it to you apologetically? Is she saying it to you matter factually? Is she saying it to Apologetically. apologetically yeah apologetically she she was again she she said you know i i took the truck i took a bunch of pills after that it happened i took the truck out and i took a bunch of pills and then i suddenly realized i can't do this and that's why she came home so we immediately got her to the hospital and had to have her admitted now this is into the institute of living so I'll just step and back. Explain to him what the Institute of Living is, because for people okay. who in Connecticut, they, they probably have a very good idea. Okay. So, so Institute of Living is, is a psychiatric hospital, and uh, inpatient and outpatient. And so for, for, for kids as well as adults. And so um, her going there was very difficult because of the fact that when she first was diagnosed bipolar back in her first year of college, and they finally got her hospitalized. That's where she was hospitalized for over a year. Mm -hmm. um, so for her, it was kind of like, oh shit, I'm back. Mm -hmm. um, so I know it was really, really difficult for her. And I remember breaking down to her when I first was able to visit her because it, it, it felt like I was abandoned, like she was trying to abandon me. And, you know, and I made that clear to her. I was like, listen, you know, you know, we just had this baby <laughs> and you're doing this shit. So you know? the med, even though she was on the meds, the meds weren't uh, holding, I guess, or what? It, yeah, it takes a while. It's, it's, it's an, a pretty amazing thing. And I mean, and, and I'm sure it's different for all people uh, who suffer from this because without getting into too, too much detail, there's all different strains of bipolar and some, you know, there's various strains of mental illness within bipolar, mm -hmm. some stronger than others. So somebody mm -hmm. else may have say uh, stronger in the mania and less in the depression, uh, stronger in uh, there's even ADHD in, involved in it, uh, schizophrenia, things of that nature. Um, but so there's a long, there's a long spectrum. It's a, it's a spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Okay. It becomes about finding the right cocktail because yeah. a lot of times it's not just one individual drug. Like, oh, you take this pill, you'll be fine. It may be exactly. a combination of drugs or you know, and, and, and quantity of dosages yep. that, that will have an impact for it. 
So, yeah. so how old were you guys while all this is going on? Okay, so this was in the year nine, 1999 when my son was born. And so it was right before I turned 33 and right before she turned 30. So I was 32. She was 29. We're both December babies. So, um, and so, yeah, so it was just, it was an incredibly, I mean, straight craziest six months of my life. I mean, you know, uh, new baby, <laughs> premature baby, wife with a mental illness that I'd never seen before and her attempting suicide all within like a six month period. And again, so, remind me, uh, remind me and the audience how old you were at the time. Uh, I was thirty-two. Okay, all right. So, so yeah, we we had children a little later in life. She was so uh, my wife was three years younger than me. Um, so uh, she got hospitalized. Uh, we kept her on the meds. Things got better. Things went back to normal. I was like, all right, this is great. Fast forward now. Um, we decide we want to have a second child. Um, so this time we're like, okay, we got to make sure we do all the things right this time. Um, so we went and saw all the right people, did all the right things. Uh, we had the baby. Um, she had a slight episode, but nothing uh, to the extent of the first one. Uh, and it got under control pretty quickly. And we we're like, okay, this is great. But what happened was, it then started her cycling through this and cycling through this a little bit more. And so it slowly happened over a three year period um, to the point where now they were just doing these, as, as Clarky was saying, you know, it, it, it's, I was calling them these, you know, cocktails, you know, of like, okay, try this drug, try this drug, try this drug. And the frustrating part of it was for me, I was like, you know, in, 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 in retrospect, too, I said, you know, we, I finally went to one of the, I'd gone to a bunch of meetings with the psychiatrist, but I went to this one because I was getting frustrated because I was like, listen, you know, I'm tired of you guys fucking with my wife, you know, and fucking with my life and our lives. Um, and she was really good on this one particular medication for years. Why would you not put her on that medication? Just explain it to me. And the response was, well, we were afraid of this, this condition that uh, is a side effect of this particular drug. And I said, well, considering she was on it for years, why would you be so concerned that she would have this if she never had it before? Well, you know, again, I'm just here. I am just a layman saying this to a well-educated doctor who actually has a pretty impeccable history um and lo and behold uh the thursday my wife committed suicide on a monday and the thursday before that where i said i'm going in there and i'm asking her the doctor for a, a, a referral to another doctor because nothing's working she says you know i think we're going to try the drug that she was on <laughs> for all those years and she was she was well on and I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. So like, do, you, do you mind saying what the side effect was that they were afraid of? It's, uh, I always get the name wrong. Tarkus dyskinesia, I think. Tar tar Tarkus dyskinesia. And it's an involuntary movement of the tongue. 
uh-huh. uh, where you can't stop moving your tongue. Uh-huh. But again, she had never had that. So she, so, so they will, so the difference between suicidal ideation and attempted suicide and being relatively healthy in their mind was a clicking of the tongue. So a clicking, of, a, a clicking of the tongue was the thing that stopped them yeah, yeah. From, from, from prescribing this drug. And, yeah. and I, I just want to make sure I get this straight. So, you know, after you guys had the first kid and she, she had the episodes and she, she was being medicated, she was relatively good for three years. Like she was, yep. she was relative in a very, a very good space for three years. You had the second kid and I, I guess they stopped medication while, while she was pregnant with the second kid. No, so with the second child, because again, we went and saw specialists yeah. uh, who deal with this, and they had different types of medication for each trimester, because certain medications would not be good for certain trimesters as others could. So it, it really, they did an excellent job, because like I said, it, the, she didn't really even have an episode, she just had, you know, she was a little off for a little yeah. while, but, but it was good because they did everything the right way. So yeah, and, and, and I should say that a year before she committed suicide, she called me, and this was now, <laughs> talk about everything always happens kind of in a weird, weird time, not that there's ever really a good time for this, but um, I had just gone, uh, started my second year of being on my own uh, with New York Life as a New York Life agent. And so here I am trying to, you know, take on this new task. And uh, I get a call from her at her work. And she says, you know, I, I can't believe I just did this. I just wrote you a goodbye note. And I was like, why would you write me that? Uh, and she says, well, I go for a run. She would, she loved to run. And she says, I was running by this bridge and I thought, well, I could just, jump off this bridge and everything would be, you know, finished. I wouldn't have to deal with this anymore. And, um, and so I wrote you a goodbye note, but I can't do this. And so of course I had to call her boss. And, and, and again, her. she's saying it apologetically, not just yeah. matter of factly, not just, um, you know, rambling on, but she's being apologetic to you. Yes. Yep. So, so um, let me, so let me ask, and I know none of us know, right? Yep. Um, so hold on, there's an ambulance going by. I mean, yeah, I can hear. <laughs> we're going to cut that out. Um, so let me ask, um, and I know none of us really know, right? But yep. I mean, can you imagine in any way, shape or form how she was feeling inside about that? like that apologizing, you know, because she doesn't feel, um, I don't even know how to put it into words. Like I can't even imagine, you know, the, the, the difficulty somebody must feel when they're in that position where they just can't take it no more. I, yeah, like, yeah I can't even imagine. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, well, it's because we don't have that type of illness that, you know, it was explained to me by one of the, um, uh, one of the psychiatrists I spoke to after. And he basically said, he said, think about your worst day. Think about. Yeah. yeah I was just about to, I was feeling. just about to do that. Yeah. I was just about to do that. And he said, when you're therapy, when you are 
clinically depressed. Now multiply that times 10. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how they get to that point because there is, you, there is no light at the end of the tunnel in their eyes. Now she had those glimpses and that's where the apologetic part, I'm assuming again, I'm assuming that's where the apologetic piece came in because again, it, there's a piece of her that's still, you know, there that's saying this is wrong and knew enough to call me. But when she called me, I had to make sure that I, you know, told her boss, keep her there. I'll be there. I had to bring her back to the hospital again. And it was one of the hardest things, not only for me to do, but for her. Because again, it, it was another like, oh shit, here I am again. So back uh -huh. at the Institute of Living. Yeah. And I'll never forget. Let me, let me just say this. When I had to leave that day after I brought her and they had to close the door, the look on her face literally was a look on her face the day I left for work, uh, the day she actually committed suicide. It's amazing. You know, I look back on it after the fact to say like, yeah, that's, you know, that, that's somebody who, what I saw in her eyes was just, I, I don't even, you know, just like, I, I, I've got nothing. I don't want to be here. No, I don't want to go through this no more. Yeah. I, I've got nothing. And it, it's, um, and it's you know, not that they, it's not that it's not that she didn't really just have anything. That was just her perspective. Yes, the way she absolutely. Saw it. Because yeah. you said she had a job. She was going to work. Oh yeah. She, yeah. She liked to run. Yeah. So she was a uh, fit, right? Yeah, she was, she was, she was an amazing woman. I, I let me just tell you, and I, you know, it's obviously I'm going to be a bit biased because she was my wife, but this woman did more in her life and overcame more shit in her life than anybody I had known to that point. And so, you know, that's what made it even more difficult because I'm like, here is this person who had so much to give, had, who'd been through hell and back. Um, and yet always had a smile on her face. I mean, at the service for her, I had people coming up and saying, I never knew, never knew. Yeah. So hey, you and I talk about this all the time, Mikey, man, like no matter how dirty, warped or cracked somebody's lens is, it shapes their perspective for the world. Absolutely. And, and especially when you're, you know, some of us, we're biased and, and our, our perspective is shaped just by our experiences. But when you have, you know, potential chemical imbalances or, you know, a, 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 a tragic pain body that you carry around, you know, there's no seeing anything different. So like no. you think about the idea like like that that psychiatrist said to you or psychologist said to you, you know, the idea of your worst day magnified, yeah. mag magnified by 10. And it's not just one day. It's almost every day or it's a oh, long yeah. series of days. Even the toughest guy is going to tap out after a, a significant ass whooping. Like, you know, there's <laughs> only so much you can take. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and the physical pain is one thing. But the mental and the, and the psychological, that, that's a whole other animal. Oh, sure animal. is. And, and, and it has to take, I mean, for, for somebody, again, somebody that had everything going for her. I mean, she had a great job. She was great at what she did. She had 
a family that she loved, I know, and we loved her. So yeah, those are those things where you sit there and say, well, you know, what happened, you know, and of course, you know, personally for me, I went through all of that. Like, what could I have done differently? What, you know, what, you know, should I stayed home that day? Could I have, you know, showed her more love? Could I have done this? Could I have done, you know, it's, it's crazy, but you've got to understand this is something so beyond the scope, you know, like what David was saying, he's like, I just can't even imagine. And it's like, yeah, it's just like, I can't imagine somebody killing somebody. Well, why? Because we wouldn't do that. It's not who we are. You know, we, I'm glad I can't imagine that. I'm, ter- I'm ecstatic that I can't imagine doing something like that because our mind doesn't think that way. Let me, let me ask you, let me ask you. So you say when she was manic, she would Mm -hmm. be talking about, she's going to be on Oprah. She's writing books. She's doing all of this. She's doing all of that. You know, she's, you know, an amazing person. She's ready. Right. When she was depressed, what did she talk about then? Oh, not a lot of anything. Yeah. Just, just wanting, one of the things that I remember her saying a lot, and I'd be like, why would you say that is I just want to disappear. So when you're manic, you're willing to talk about how great you can be. But when yep. you're depressed, you keep all of that bottled up inside yourself. I'm asking. Yeah. I have yeah. no fucking clue what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I'm just fucking asking. Um, I'm, I only know from experience. I don't know either. Yeah. It, it, think, it's still a mystery to me. I think it depends on the person because different people def- experience it in different ways. You know, like there, there have been people in my life that I've dealt with who, who suffer from from the depressive side of it, and depression can manifest itself in being withdrawn, and being tired, and not having enough energy, or or and I don't want to call it will because you may have all the will in the world, but you know the flesh is not able. Yeah, and and just being you know not even wanting to see the light of day, and not seeing the value in yourself and your relationships. And then there's other people I've, I've met who experience it and it manifests in anger. So you have these horrible feelings and you're just pissed off at everyone and everything. Yep. You know, and then on the back end of it, it's self-loathing because you've lashed out and you're angry and people are trying to help you and people are trying to be nice to you. And then you're like, in your head, as I've heard explained to me, it's that battle of why am I saying this? Why am I doing this? Why am I behaving in this way? stop like one of my friends was breaking it down to me like i'm literally saying and doing shit and in my head i'm having a war with myself just saying stop stop or you know i'm in the bed and i know i have x y and z to do and i'm trying to will myself to put my feet on the ground and take a step towards getting something done but the weight of the world is just so heavy on me that I, I can't move. Yep. You know, I, yeah. so, it, so, I mean, it, it's, it's wild because, you know, as, as we kind of stated earlier, there's a spectrum to this stuff mm-hmm. and different people experience it in different ways, but it, it all gets diagnosed, you know, under that same broad umbrella. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what kind of work did she do? She was a paralegal. Yeah. And she was very good at it, too. She actually, and her last uh, employer that she was with for quite a while was uh, actually a nonprofit law firm. 
And it was called the center. It is called the Center for Medicare Advocacy. So what they do is they represent people who have been denied Medicare or Medicaid coverage. And as a paralegal, she actually was able to uh, argue cases in front of the administrative law judges. And she was so good that she had many a judge tell her, why are you not a lawyer? You know, why, why, why don't you go back to school? And she's like, yeah, you got to pay my, <laughs> pay my tuition. I'll go back, but you know, I'm not doing it unless you do that. Um, yeah, she was, she was really good at, at, at doing that. I mean, shit, when I met her, she was working as a, she was, she was working, still working on her paralegal degree. She was going to school, working three jobs. I mean, this, this, this girl did everything that she could. I mean, if we were just do a, just a quick synopsis, man, she, her parents divorced when she was 10. Her dad was an alcoholic and probably undiagnosed uh, with a mental illness. Uh, lived in a beautiful house up in Avon. Had another house, uh, ski house up in Vermont. He lost all of that. Her house burned down and not certainly not by accident. Uh, by people he, he owed money to. And she was in her senior year of high school. She was left without a house. Had to go live with her you know, um, with a family, um, and basically had to on her own go to college. And then of course <clears throat> she got diagnosed and had to live in a, um, you know, in the Institute and then eventually a halfway house. And then again, working all the jobs. And that's basically when I met her. So yeah, she, she went through a whole lot. Um, and still, <laughs> was like she in the paralegal field she uh, she won awards they had an they actually have an award named after her now um uh scholarship i should say um so yeah she was she was a pretty amazing uh amazing person and and was good at what she did again but all while fighting this this illness and keep and basically keeping it relatively quiet in that bay for such oh, yeah. a long time Oh yeah, for such a long time. I mean, dude, it's it's wild to me. The thing is, I was very glad that you actually um, wanted to talk about mental health today, not in particular my situation, but just mental health in general, because it just gets ignored way, way too much. It, it, it gets it's it's acknowledged, but it doesn't. I don't think people really, really understand. Um, you know, and and it seems more prevalent today than ever before. So absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now, you and I talk about it, you know, the, 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 the interesting thing that you find when, you know, certain things that, like, I'll sit there and I'm like, yo, this, this is a black thing. And then you'll start talking, I'm like, oh, shit. Nah, that's absolutely happening in so, your so, too. So, so that's exactly what the fuck I was thinking here while I was saying that shit. This shit don't give a fuck about what color you are. It don't nope. give a fuck about how much money you make. It don't give a fuck about where you live. You said Avon. He had a house in Avon or whatever the fuck it is. You said that shit. I have no yeah. idea where it is, but it That's sounds nice. But it sounds nice over there. It sounds. It's a, it's a ritzy town in Connecticut. It you sounds know? nice over that motherfucker. And, and, I, and, and I say like, yeah. like you know, one one of the reasons like like Mike, Mikey and I have always vibed. Like you know, we we met what ten years ago, eleven years ago. Yeah. But we re we didn't even really say this until people are going to see uh, 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 any of this on YouTube. Uh, Mike is a Caucasian man. <laughs> we just, in case you can tell by listening to his voice, because he sounds like soul brother number one. And, 
you know, to David's point, like when you talk about the idea of mental illness, like a, the disease doesn't care <laughs> where you can, like what color you are, how much money you got in your pocket. It afflicts you and it afflicts you hard. And the impacts oh. and the repercussions of, of, of the people who, you know, who share a life with you, they're real. They're but here, real. Here's where it separates though. Here's where it separates, and I'm and I'm going through this, and I'm I'm realizing this right now more so than ever before, because as I had stated earlier, my my oldest son has been diagnosed, and has been hospitalized. So, so, so wait, hold on, before you get there, right? And yeah. This is, this, I, I have a tough ask, right? Sure. I want it to be really real for people who are listening, right? Sure. Um, do you mind um, talking about the last day? Um, uh, you saw your wife. Do you mind talking about that? No, I mean, it, no, I, I don't mind talking about it. It's, it's not a great memory, but uh, you know, um, it, it, it was it was amazing because it was uh, we had gotten and and, just, and you because you, you talked about that look on her face the last day you saw her, which you know was yeah. it really resonated with me. So yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So. Um, so that was on a Monday when she actually committed suicide. So the Saturday of that week, and we, we actually went to this big gala, this annual gala thing that we would do with New York life. Um, beautiful play. It was when the, uh, um, uh, they had just built the Marriott and the convention center. And so we had it there and it was all new and it was great. And, it was like really hard to get her to even smile at that. You know, we were around good, you know, a lot of fun people and everything. And, you know, so that weekend we also, so later that night it started snowing and we got this huge snowstorm. Um, and it was, this was in February, got this huge snowstorm. So we were stuck in the house on Sunday. I'm trying to, you know, play around with her, try and get her happy. Can't get her happy. I kind of was frustrated with it, you know, it was like, and that's, that's the tough part, you know, it's the guilty part that I feel, you know, you kind of get to a point where like, Jesus Christ, you know, I, I can't even fucking make her smile. I, I, I need to just go in another room or whatever. Um, and so we were a little bit distant that, that night, that Sunday. And so Monday morning, I have to go to these meetings. Uh, I actually had to go in a little earlier, go to this new client, uh, drop some paperwork off, and then I had to go in for a couple meetings. And she was doing outpatient at the time. And she had actually asked me, she says, can you just stay home today with me? And I don't want to go to the, the thing. And I was like, I really can't, Becky. I said, but what I'll do is I'll go and... You know, I'll go there and I'll just go to the meeting. I won't, you know, and then I'll come home. I'll pick you up at, at the outpatient. We'll go grab lunch and we'll spend the day together. And so I was like, and I left and it was the look on her face. And, you know, all day I just didn't feel right. And so I, you know, I go to the office and I'm in a meeting and, uh, and it was weird. I kept on getting a phone call from the daycare provider where my kids go. Um, but she was also a client of mine. So I thought maybe she was calling about that, but then she kept calling. So I was like, Oh, there might be something wrong with the, my kid. So I better go check on this. So I start walking out of the, the uh, meeting room and I 
you know, answer it. I'm like, hey, what's going on? She's like, is everything okay? And it was bizarre. And I will say this. This was the most bizarre thing. She's saying, is everything okay? And at the exact moment, our office manager is walking towards me with the most horrific look on his face. And I'm thinking in my head, is everything okay? And she said it at the same time. And I'm like, he's like, there is somebody here to see you. And I'm like, oh, okay. And now I'm just like, I, I literally feel discombobulated. And so I'm walking out thinking we're going out to the uh, meeting area, you know, the, the lobby. And he said, no, and here, and to another one of the conference rooms, and he opens up the door, and I see two police officers, uh, a younger police officer and an older police officer. The young gentleman, um, can't forget this, uh, he's just looking down at his feet. And the older gentleman just has this look, and I came in, and I just said, she did it, didn't she? It just... A whole lot after that, I kind of had a um, tough time with it. Um, and uh, various people came in. A very good friend of uh, Clarkie's and I uh, was working there. He came in and consoled me and uh, thankfully was able to drive me home where, you know. So, yeah, it was a tough day. It was a very, very, very tough day. I mean, even when I talk about it, I haven't talked about it in a long time. I don't mind, like I said, I don't mind talking about it but man 13 and a half years later and it's like the same feelings it's pretty insane so when did you first realize you were because you were getting ready to talk about the, your son um experiencing uh some signs when did you first realize that how old was he when you first recognized that oh that was uh back in january of this year that was the first time you recognized it how old is he now yeah he he's 20 he's 20 so nothing up until 20? No signs up until 20? Um, not, nothing really. Listen, he had suicidal ideation stuff, but it, it didn't seem the bipolar thing. It seemed like uh -huh. teenage, um, you know, angst stuff, you know, and it mm -hmm. was like, okay, yeah. And, you know, he'd go and he'd be treated and, yeah, things are okay. He's, he's good. And he's always kind of, like, given that persona, like, everything's okay. So, yeah, he actually, it, what triggered it, um, he, back in January, uh, the end of January, uh, a kid from his graduating class, as we moved. So, we lived in a town called Tallinn for 20-plus years. Uh, and about two years ago, we moved to uh, another town rocky hill ways from it and so he found out that this kid committed suicide and he wanted to go spend the weekend with all of his friends and go to the service and i was like yeah absolutely go you know be with them that that's what you need and so i went and picked him up on sunday night and uh was bringing him home and he was really just talkative but like you know like cut me off when I tried to say anything and it's just not like who he is. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know, I'm like, okay, he's just, he, but he also told me he didn't get a whole lot of sleep because he and his buddy uh, were recording. Uh, he, he raps and he's actually really good. Um, and um, so I was like, yeah, he's probably just tired and it was overwhelming for him. 
But then I started seeing the signs. He was staying up to the wee hours. He was talking shit like that was just not real. He was talking about how he's smarter than everybody and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh, shit. Here we go. And the problem is him being over the age. He was 19 at the time. He turned 20 in June. I, I couldn't, uh, you know, I, I couldn't have him put into a hospital, um, I, and, which was frustrating. And here, once you're in that state, there's no way you think you need to go into a hospital because everybody else is fucked up. You're the only one that's okay. He would have to prove that he's a danger to himself. You would have to prove that he's a danger to himself or somebody else first. Exactly. And he's not so, there. And he actually did. Thankfully, I will say this. Thankfully, he did. He was with he was seeing this girl and I get a call from her. She's like, you've got to come and get him. He's talking crazy shit and he's walking around with his pants around his ankles. And I'm like, all right, I'm on my way. I called the police, told them you need to go there. Uh, I want to make sure everybody's OK and came into it. Police, uh, we had to go down to Meriden, uh, go in there, and they actually had to handcuff him and take him out, um, and uh, they had to hospitalize him, and it was tough. And do you do you was, let the police know that he's uh, um, suffering from you know bipolar or whatever else it is before they get there? You said you had to call the police because um, yeah, I, I, I yeah. said that he 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 most likely has this issue again we didn't know yet Nothing he was in diagnosis at that point what did, yeah did he hadn't see, been diagnosed but I, I saw a lot of the same stuff that i saw in my wife so you know it was kind of easy to see and it kind of made sense and roughly it was around the same age that she um uh, had her first episode so kind of ironic in that sense too um and so yeah finally got him hospitalized uh the only problem with that was uh long and short of it was they had he was so manic that they just dosed the shit out of him and turned him into a zombie um and uh, uh but then you know again he he seemed to start to come out of it but then he tried to commit suicide and uh had to hospitalize him again <clears throat> changed doctors, changed his meds, seemed to be doing great. Fast forward to oh, about a couple months ago, and uh, another one of his friends committed suicide. Um, now this is a friend of his, question him on it. You're, you know, someone was telling me that he bought pills, but I'm like, did you buy? No, I bought weed. No, 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 no. I'm like, let me see, empty your pockets. He didn't have anything. All right. So bring him home. Seemed okay. Uh, I go to bed. It's about midnight. Um, and uh, uh, my other son, <laughs> being the little shit that he is, uh, decided to sneak in unbeknownst to me because I sleep like a friggin' rock. Um, he came in, took the keys to the car, and wanted to go to, to Wendy's. And thank goodness he did. Because he went to Wendy's, came back, and found my son unresponsive on the deck. Uh, he had taken, after we found out, uh, 12 Xanax and six 30 milligram uh, Percocets uh, in alcohol with the intent of ending his life. Um, I couldn't you said, get you, you, you said, wait, so, so you said that 
he took these pills. Where did he get them from, though? Uh, he bought them from off the street. Yeah. 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 So he cut he had cut them he cut them from a dealer. Yep. And one of your friends was like, "Yo, your your, your kid is buying pills." Or somebody caught him out there buying the pills, but he, yeah. he hid them in a way where nobody could see it. Yeah. Yeah. And the worst part was sitting there having to call nine one one and do CPR on your kid, hoping that the paramedics get there in time. You did the CPR? You did the CPR? Me and my other son, yeah. So he he had stopped breathing at this point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was unresponsive. Um, And thankfully, they came in the Narcon, uh, if you're familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they gave that, and they're like, oh, we got him. I'm like, you know, but I I was losing it. I I will tell you right now, I, I lost it, lost it. Uh, but thankfully, wonderful people um, got him to the hospital, got him in there, dripped him, kept him in ICU, uh, got him well, and since have put him into a rehab where he opened up and told me. Uh, and again, it's one of those, and it's a full circle thing because it comes back to, you know, he told me, he's like, Dad, I was miserable. I wasn't happy with my life. I was using drugs to make myself happy, um, you know, and nothing was working. And I just decided there's no sense sticking around. And so uh, thankfully he's in a place that is just tremendous. Uh, unfortunately, he had another manic episode just recently while he was there. Yeah. But they uh, got him hospitalized, got him meds and he's starting to slowly get back to himself but this is something that he didn't want to he didn't want to believe that this was something that he's going to have to deal with for the rest of his life but he does um and the chances were always there um because of his mother's you know background and so so let me ask you um health care cost so that's where I was going with the, the whole doesn't care, you know, what color you are, doesn't care with this. But guess what? How much money you have does make a difference in how you get the care. And that's the most fucked up piece about mental health care today. Speak to it. Speak to it. I am lucky as shit that there was money there for him. It's for co- it was for college, but let me tell you something. <laughs> His life is worth a lot more than go- him going to college. And we were lucky enough that to get into a really, it's a dual diagnosis treatment center. So they treat both the addiction as well as the mental illness. And it's a three phase, six, six month to one year process of getting them to understand their illness, get them to understand the addiction. It's run by 90% of them are addicts, former addicts or alcoholics or whatever. Um, so there's no bullshit in these people. Um, they all understand it. <laughs> they all Yo, that makes it. a world of difference. Man. You can't yeah, bullshit a bullshit. Really you bullshitting the bullshitter. Go ahead. Exactly. And, but it ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. The, at the end of the day, this is going to cost anywhere from 70 to 70 grand to a hundred grand to keep men there. But how many people out there with mental health issues have 70 or a hundred grand? They're going to get the same treatment that my son got in the beginning where it's get them in, drug them up, get them out. Cause we need another bed. 
Right. I mean, what is it? A mandatory seventy-two hour hold, and then you know, Bob's your uncle piss off and well, sort it out on your own. Yeah. If they're if you're not stable enough, they're not going to let you leave, and they're going to keep you there. But it's listen. You know, I've seen sadly, I've seen enough institutions, and it, it's not the place I would want to be. Yeah. And, and, and once health, you start feeling better, health, I don't think they want to be there. <laughs> health insurance doesn't cover it? No, health insurance doesn't cover this. And most of these places, any kind of, so my other son had some issues too and had to go into a place that I had to fight health insurance to cover it. It was $2,000 a day, a day. And I had to fight with them monthly like literally or weekly after the first month, it was literally every week. And he was ended up being there 80 days. And it's sickening that, listen, these, somebody with these type of issues and we can't find a way to put, this is where socioeconomic comes into play. You, You know, you're, if you don't have the money, sorry you get the shit treatment if you have the money come on in and i'm grateful that we do and i'm grateful that my son's getting the treatment but it pisses me off that if he didn't he wouldn't be able to and no but no other children your child clarky's child any child if they needed it you know what i mean and that's just wrong it's just so so wrong god bless you God bless you. Um, you know, I, and, and I, I, I've talked about you on, on our podcast <laughs> before, and I, and I gave you a shout out. And like, I hope the listeners understand why. Like, because like, one of the things I always loved about you, Mikey, is you are a dude who wears your heart on your sleeve. Like, there, there's, there's no bullshit with you. You, know, you, you, just, you just not built for it. You, know, no. you love deeply. You know, when you're aggravated, you're like, yo, this is aggravating me, and you'll spell it out. This is why, this is why it's, it's fucking stupid, blah, blah, yep. blah, blah, And, you know, you, you care so deeply about the people who are around you, and you, 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 you put in so to much a effort. To, to a, a fault. fault to a fault. To a fault. Arguably, to a fault. But, and, and, and I say that, and honestly, I don't mean to cut you off, Parky. No, I no. say that because when you had asked me originally, hey, man, you got to come on the, the podcast. And you remember what I told you? What'd you say? I said, yeah, I'll come on there and I could tell everybody what not to do as a single <laughs> parent. <laughs> right. But, but sure as shit made a whole bunch of mistakes. But we, and, 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 but we all do. And I think the, the thing, and I, I said it earlier while David and I were waiting for you to come on, I said one of the things I love about you, man, is the universe has dealt you some shitty hands but you play them through and you do it with a smile on your face and a song in your heart man. like you, you like even if, that, is, man. even if shit is bothering you or like you, you're going through a down period and and fuck you that sometimes i gotta find out about the down period after the fact or, or second hand <laughs> you know but you you always rise you always rise and you're doing all this while changing directions and starting a business. Oh yeah. So like, so, and I, and I guess going back a little bit, you're juggling all this. So you're juggling your, your wife's mental health. You're juggling, you know, your, 
raising two boys on your own. And and during all this time, you haven't been remarried or or I mean like you've you've had girlfriends or whatever, but you haven't been remarried or or, or like cohe- cohabitated with anybody for a protracted period of time. No. Right. Mm-hmm. So what's the career piece look like for you? What's the, 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 the working piece look like for you? What's the support system look like for you during all of this? During what? Dur- I'm during raising your kids. You know, so oh. from, from, from the time your wife passes away up until now, them being like semi-adults. Yeah. What, what, what's that look like? So I guess well, we'll start I with mean, the work piece. I mean, the work piece was, you know, at the time, like I told you, I, I was starting in my, I was in my second year, about halfway through and or so into my second year working on my own, you know, as a, as an agent. So here I was going like, oh shit. Now I've got two babies and I got a business which needs me to be away. And I've got two children that need me to be there. And I, that was, and, and I was, you know, obviously trying to grieve, although, you know, years later realized I kind of never gave my chance to grieve because I didn't have time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta make sure. And, and, and for a few years, I, I did it, man. I made sure that everything stayed as close to the same as it was because I didn't want to fuck their lives up any worse you know than it had already been and but then i hit a wall and i hit a wall and i hit it hard and i spiraled for quite some time mean your own you mean your own depression well yeah it, it was depression it was uh, um identity Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 you know, it was, who am I, you know, cause my identity, I don't know if you've ever felt this way when you were married, but it was like, almost felt like, and just cause we were so young, you know, it was part of my identity, you know, mm-hmm. my marriage was part was, was part of my identity. Now that identity was gone. And how do I get back that identity that was there before I ever got married, before yes. I was ever with my wife mm-hmm. and, you know, but here I am though how many years later with two kids and, and everything else. So it, it really was just like uh, it, it, the best, the only way I can explain it, it was, it was a spiral. It was a spiral of trying to find relationships to, to, you know, meet what I wanted them to be. Um, so, you know, so let me ask you about that. So let me ask yeah. you about that. Right. So sure. do you find yourself um, gun shy because you don't want to return to um, what you came from. So let's just say you meet somebody and she may not be, uh, you know, have mental health issues, but she may do or say something that could be triggering for you. So you get out <laughs> quick. So you, uh, I'm man, bailing. You that on the head. I'm bailing. I'm bailing. I'm bailing. Everybody overboard. Give me a life jacket. I'm out of here. I've bailed more times and, and, and the woman I'm with right now and Clarky was the one who introduced us. <laughs> um, I have bailed on her God knows how many times. And yet that friggin' woman has stuck around. <laughs> uh, how I have no idea. 
<laughs> I always did now that I'm kind of in a better, much better place. You know, I try and tell her like, I, I don't know how you did it. Uh, I don't know why you did it. <laughs> I appreciate that you did it, but um, I'm sorry for what I did. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, even to this day, even though things are good, I'm, you know, it, instinct is, nah, things don't seem right. So eh, I don't know. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it, and it's funny. I just touched on it with my therapist, you know, I, and she basically was saying, she's like, do you feel like you're going to be abandoned? Like you were abandoned by your wife and you feel like you're going to be abandoned again. And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, I never really thought of it that way, but kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things I was going to ask you. Um, are you seeking your own, uh, therapy? Are you, you know, seeking your own, oh, hell um, yeah. you know, soul cleansing or somebody that you can talk to because you got a lot going on. You got a lot on your plate and oh, yeah. you know, you, yeah. Um, okay. yeah. And they, yeah. And thankfully, you know, this is one thing I've always taught and I, I joke, I joke about it, but it, it's true. The one thing I've always been grateful for, I've never had an addictive issue. Um, and you know, because how many people have been like, shit, I'd be drunk all the time. Oh shit, I'd be doing I'm like, you know, it never was that way. I'm like, trust me, I mean, there's definitely been times where I want wanted to, but it's never been about that. So I'm grateful for that because, you know, God only knows where I'd be or where my kids would be if I if I followed that path. But no, I, I think maybe I'm a glutton for punishment and I just allow myself to to just continue to try and go through so like i was saying 13 and a half years of doing this and i'm still finding myself i'm still finding myself i'm still figuring things out i'm still having the same anxieties but they're not i shouldn't say the same anxieties i'm still having anxieties but it's not the same anxieties so uh, i'm going to cut it here and say we've been at this for a little while and it's probably time to wrap up um but um if looking back on this you wanted to offer somebody who is going through what you're going through, some advice, um, why don't you give a piece of advice that you would offer to somebody who could be, who would, who is probably in the same position that you were in 20 years ago? <laughs> All right. So what I would say is, is first and foremost, um, seek the help if you need it. Uh, second, I, I, and, and again, I can only speak for myself you know, your frustrations, your own personal frustrations, don't let it bleed over into your children's lives. They, you know, that, that, you know, and what I mean by that is, is that, you know, try and, you know, don't try and make, make a, make it a fairy tale and, and try and ignore what, what's reality of it, but don't, don't make them, Don't, don't try and make it something it isn't. Make it, understand, acknowledge what it is. Acknowledge that you, you know, yep, shitty thing happened to us. Um, you know, shitty things happen to a lot of people. Um, it may seem worse for us. Everybody, I always tell people that too. You know, that they'll always be like, well, you know, oh my God, the shit you've gone through makes my shit feel like, you know, nothing. I'm like, fuck that. Because when you're going through it, your shit feels like the worst shit, no matter yeah. what anybody else is going through. So Absolutely. never discount that. So always acknowledge that. But 
make sure your kids are always know that they come first, no matter what, that they'll always come first, not at the expense of their little shit, um, you know, uh, tantrums and stuff like that. But you know what I mean? It's that, that, you know, this is our life. We're a family, even if it's not in the traditional sense, and you're always going to come first because if, if your mom was here, it still would be the same. Um, so yeah, I would say that and, and just put, just put it in perspective, man. And, and grieve, man, take the time to grieve. Cause, uh, again, I can only speak from my experience, man. I, I didn't allow myself to grieve and I know that that was a big, big issue that, that spilled over into my life for everybody. I mean, my kids, my family, my friends, relationships, everything. Listen, I want to thank you for being here. Um, uh, I just met you, uh, but if you don't mind me saying, I love you and I, and I, <laughs> I care you for too, you David. and I appreciate you. Um, can you give us the single dad, why you mad drop? Just do it however it is you want to do it. Go ahead. Single dad. Why the fuck are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Mike, thank you very much. Thank you I very much. I appreciate it guys. Okay. Have a good night. G money. Right. Thank Bye-bye. you, man. Later brother. Love you. Love you too. All right, so um, that was some good shit, man. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That was some good shit. So listen, um, Single Dad Why You Mad has voicemail now. If you feel a certain way about something we said or something we didn't say, um, you should leave us a voicemail message at 646-389-2852. 646-389-2852. We may even play your message on an episode. Um, and then there, we have a YouTube channel where you can now see video clips of this or any other episodes. So go to our YouTube channel um, with the same name, Single Dad, Why You Mad, completely spelled out. Ladies, gentlemen, and consenting adults, thank you again for joining us for another episode of Single Dad, Why You Mad. We're going to see you in two weeks. In the meanwhile, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Single Dad, Why You Mad. It's completely spelled out. Visit our website, www.singledadwhyumad.com. Make sure to subscribe, comment, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all the other podcast platforms. And you know, we thank our 1,000 plus. How many? Do we know how many subscribers we have right now? I know we're over 1,000, and it, it keeps growing. So keep telling a friend. Um, uh, yes, keep telling a friend, yes. No. And you have anything else to add? Uh, no, that's it. Single Dad, Why You Mad? The new podcast, Single Dad, Why You Mad? I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living room. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore!